Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, once again coming to you from the desert. And when I'm in the desert, I have to visit with Doug Haller, the Athletics Arizona State beat writer. And Doug, I, I think this is, you know, we're at an event where the, the Pac-12 is meeting, the Big 12 is meeting, the Big 10 is meeting. So there's a lot of big picture conversation going on. But I honestly can't think of a program that is more at the nexus of all the stuff that is going on than Arizona State. Like you, you wrote your state of the program story this week on Arizona State, and it was wild looking at the chart of how many first team guys that they thought when when last season ended they thought would be Arizona State players are somewhere else. Yeah. Hi, Andy. It's, it's pretty amazing. I, I think if you would start at the end of last year, and if you would have told the fan base that at the start of Herm Edwards' fifth season, you would be out <clears throat> without your quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Yep. Uh, one of your young, talented young running backs in Diamante, train them. Uh, your two, your top two leading receivers in Ricky Pearsall, LV Bunkley, Shelton. Um, your best defensive player in Jermaine Lole. Yeah. And your, Jermaine Lole, the most recent addition to the portal, right? And and the assumption is he winds up at USC? Is uh, that- I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, Jermaine Lole is an interesting case because as we speak right now, there's an ongoing <laughs> – there are so many levels to this. Yes. Arizona State has not yet officially launched its collective, but they are active. And they mm. right now, their number one priority is to try to keep Jermaine Lole in right. Tempe. I don't know if they're going to win that battle, uh, but he's in the portal. He's exploring his options. And then the last guy I just wanted to mention was Ari Gentry, who oh, yeah. was a freshman All-American. Now Golly. he is at USC, um, already signed and is, uh, you know, well on his way. We'll see how that unfolds this season. So what, what makes this so interesting is, is this is a program, and we've talked about this on the show with regard to other programs, you're seeing it with Pittsburgh and Jordan Addison, who is in the portal now and, and may wind up at USC also. Uh, but we've West Virginia's dealt with this. You know, programs at that level, kind of middle class, power five type programs, are starting to feel like they're being treated as feeder schools. But Arizona State has that little cherry on top of there's the NCAA situation. It has caused a lot of turnover in the coaching staff. And I, I'm curious, Doug, and you've written about this a little bit, how much of the the hesitancy to, to start an NIL collective, to get that going, is because they are kind of in the NCAA, NCAA crosshairs right now? It's certainly a factor. Um, <laughs> the push, I mean, I, I reported, let's see, maybe a month ago now that they were starting to put this thing together. But the, according to the people I talked to, Andy, there was a little re- reluctance to get involved because of where the program is right now. Right. You know, I've covered Arizona State for about 12 years, and I've never seen the fan base this angry. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, it stems from, you know, just the whole process. You know, you know, last year, it really starts last year when Arizona State had, you know, Jane Daniels coming back. Right. Most of the offensive line, the entire defense. Everyone thought going into that season – 
this is the year we return to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Arizona State hasn't been to the Rose Bowl in 25 years. So they, that team took the field with all that pressure, all those expectations on its shoulders. You know, and then it started to kind of fall. They were sloppy, led the country in penalty yards for most of the season, uh, only beat one team with a winning record. And, you know, when you have that, when you don't perform up to the level people think you should, and then you have this NCAA investigation yes. that's just kind of chipping away at your staff. You know, there, there are a lot of people upset and a lot of people weren't rushing to, you know, start so, getting into this collective. Antonio Pierce, defensive coordinator, uh, Zach Hill, offensive coordinator, they all kind of, you know, caught up in this thing. And so massive turnover on the coaching staff uh, that some of the penalty or not penalty, some of the accusations against them, if true, some of the dumbest incidences of trying to get around NCAA rules that, that you have ever heard, which is, and I think a lot of it is other schools, other coaches were more insulted by the fact that they were continuing to recruit on campus during the pandemic where, while everybody kind of had a gentleman's agreement, like, Hey, look, there's a rule, but nobody, people don't always follow the rules, but there was a gentleman's agreement. I think among coaches, like you're not going to actually have people on your campus and on your, in your facility during, during COVID. Right. Well, yeah. And you know, for the state of the program, we talked to opposing coaches, get yeah. like a scouting report. The first I talked to two, the first coach I said was, you know, brought up that, yeah. that very issue. The other thing, Andy is, is during, you know, you remember the PAC 12 and the big 10, yep. you know, they paused for a long time. And during that whole process, Herm Edwards was out front of this whole thing saying, this is the right thing to do. We need to follow the science. Um, we need to do what's safe for everybody. Right. You know, Ray Anderson was also out front when they this made the, the AD, announcement, yeah. when they made the announcement, when the PAC 12 made the announcement, announcement, Ray Anderson was right there with them. Mm -hmm. You know, take this seriously, take this seriously. And then to do that while allegedly uh, having recruits on campus, um, you know, and doing things that were blatantly against the rules. I mean, at, at minimum, it's a bad look. Uh, and if everything is proved to be true, it, it was just very, I mean, it was just silly. Ham-handed would be the, <laughs> right. like, that's the thing. I mean, you listeners of this podcast know I'm not real precious about the NCAA rules. And, and I, assume that they're being fractured at any point in time, but don't do it in a dumb way. That's, that's my general rule of thumb. Like do it, do it, do it in a smart way. Where you, there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it where you won't get caught. They didn't do it that way. No. And you know, what did they gain from it? I mean, exactly. I mean, they, they were, they, they had some recruiting momentum up to that point, but you know, it's just, you know, it just backfired on them. And you know, now we're in that waiting period of, you know, whenever well, the NCAA decides. That's what to, I'm curious about, because I know the, a lot of the blame for the transfers is going to NIL, but how much of it is the staff turnover also? I talked to, you know, one, the parent of one transfer, and he said that was the very reason. You know, he, the, the guy who recruited him, his position coach is no longer there. He didn't feel comfortable. He didn't feel like he had that same trust factor. So that, that's one. Um, you know, it's, it's half the staff almost, yeah. uh, you know, the two, the two coordinators, Antonio Pierce had his hand. Uh, he was also the recruiting coordinator. Right. He, he had his hand in just about every major recruit that Arizona state has had during the Herm Edwards era. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, you know, and then, but you know, the NIL thing is for the bigger guys definitely is, is the lead factor. Right. And, and it's one of those things that you've got to have something ready up and running and actually the PAC 12, You've seen USC lose a player or, or not get a player that it wanted or recruit that it wanted because they're not up and running, really. Oregon is the most up and running of, of the Pac-12 schools as far as NIL goes. 
it's no coincidence. Oregon probably also has the most complete roster <laughs> in the Pac-12. Yeah. Well, then you ha- you know Washington State has one going. Arizona has one. Washington which- State got Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word. Now it helps that they hired his head coach from Incarnate Word as the OC, but they also put together a deal and he goes there instead of Ole Miss. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's yeah, it's a factor, and it really bothers Arizona State fans that Arizona is up and running. Um, and you know, also just to get more into the NIL thing, you know, you have your school president Michael Crow yes. who, who goes on public radio, and you know, Michael Crow kind of has always had this vision of turning Arizona State football into Stanford, right? You know, uh, doing things the right way. Wouldn't you have to turn Arizona State and Stanford first? <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that all those online classes are gonna gonna turn it into Stanford. So. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Michael may be a little. Uh, a little off on that. Michael Crow has always been vocal about not paying, you know, crazy salaries to assistant coaches or, you know, any coach really. And yeah. When, you know, when Mike Norvell was offensive coordinator, Arizona State paid him, gave him a base salary of $900,000, which, you know, right. People were amazed at that time. They haven't done that since, but he's always been like, you know, we're going to do this the right way. So when he said that he wasn't a fan of the direction this is going, he kind of set, you know, Arizona State's agenda and everyone kind of fell in yeah, line it's a, with It's that. a bad idea to say anything like that in a public forum because it will be used against you by other schools that will say to the player, well, they don't think you should get anything like they, they want to keep money from you. And that's a powerful repellent. Unfortunately, even if it's not really what he, he wasn't saying they shouldn't do it. He was saying he wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. What happened was it was a, one of the local uh, radio stations had a newsmaker week in right. Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, that is their radio station, their uh, their affiliate. And, you know, Michael Crow was on one day and Ray Anderson was on the next day. And, you know, Ray Anderson w- was asked the same question. Yeah. And he said, you know, we're going to do what we can. But, you know, he basically said, we're going to sell the, the sell the developmental, <laughs> the pro model. And, Why and, is the ex agent <laughs> saying that? What? That well, makes no sense. In Arizona State's defense, they do have three NFL head coaches and Herm Edwards. That's true. Marvin Lewis, who is mo- more involved than uh, most people realize. And then they recently hired Brian Billick as an offensive analyst. Right. However, you know, every program, every major program in the country is developing players from the NFL at a much better rate right. than Arizona yeah. State. So- Guess what? Alabama's better <laughs> at developing you for the NFL, and they're probably going to give you some dough. They, they don't advertise it because they don't really need to. Right. So, so there's just kind of a, you know, a collective eye roll from the fan base to hear that at this point. Well, it, it, so Ray Anderson's an interesting character in all this because he made a, a decision when he got hired that was panned at the time that I think a year or so in, everybody's feeling pretty good about. But you went back in March. And there's a really good story on The Athletic. You, you need to read all of it. Doug writes about Arizona State and the Suns, by the way. But really good story from March 4th in The Athletic where he went back to Ray Anderson's press conference right after he fired Todd Graham because that was one of, the, one of the first things Ray Anderson did after getting hired as the AD. And he fires Todd Graham. And the original idea was they had Billy Napier as the OC, Phil Bennett as the DC. They're going to bring in Herm Edwards, these two very experienced coordinators, you know, who, who were very good at their jobs, were going to kind of guide him through the early part of his college football head coaching experience. And then they immediately left. <laughs> yeah. 
the the Herm Edward or the Ray Anderson press conference when I went back and looked at it was very I mean when you look when you go back and look at it you realize like okay it's obvious he's going to hire Herm Edwards yes you know, obvi- this was the day Todd Graham was fired no one really he, knew. he was Herm's agent yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah it was obvious but he did say there were two kind of eyebrow raising moments during that press conference the first is that you know he wanted to bring back the coordinators which yeah. how that that should have been everyone should have realized yeah everyone should have realized then that it was going to be someone from the NFL with or at least NFL ties. The other thing was, is when he laid out the program expectations, you know, Ray Anderson came into that press conference. He had his talking points written out, gave an opening statement, went through mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, and then toward the end, like toward the end of the 30 minutes, you know, someone asked him a question and, and that's when he laid out, like, we should be uh, top 15 nationally, mm-hmm. top three in the Pac-12 every year. Um, and Which really pretty bold for Arizona state. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't blame him for saying we need to shoot higher, but the fact that he was so specific with it, Andy, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, Herm Edwards walked into that. And ever since then, he's been trying to live up to it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they've been building a little bit if you look at the win-loss record, but now with the, you know, the NCAA investigation well, hanging over. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. His decision on firing Todd Graham, though, I, you know, having talked to him a little bit about why that decision was made, why it was made, when it was made, he, he read that situation perfectly. He read it correctly with Todd Graham. And I think it, that's been proven what you saw from Todd Graham in Hawaii, where he basically got run off because he doesn't know how to treat players. Like he would have been horrendous for Arizona State in the NIL transfer portal era. He would have been awful. But it's interesting when you look back because one of those coordinators went on to become a head coach and a very good one in the in the three years he was at the next stop as Billy Napier, you know, he's at Florida now. He, he was at Louisiana when he left Arizona state and, and was a very good first time head coach. How different might things be? Had they just said, Billy Napier, we're promoting you to head coach. You've been around assistants, uh, where you can just tell like this guy's going to go on and be yeah, a great head coach. Exactly. B- Billy Napier was that guy. Yeah, you it, it, tell. Was, it wasn't yeah. like no one really knew what Billy Napier was going to become. Then I, I think everyone in the program they knew it with Norvell too. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. And everyone knew that he was, he was going to go on and do big things. Uh, just, I mean, who's going to stick around in, in that situation. And I think Billy knew that he, he was going to have some options, but had Billy stuck around, I think it would have been a different situation. Obviously. Um, you know, he, he's, you could just tell from the moment he arrived that, you know, he was going to do big things. So I'm curious because I, I remember coming out here in 2019 and it felt like this was a program on the upswing. They had some young offensive linemen they were really excited about. Jaden uh, was a soft, was going into a sophomore year. The pandemic hits in 2020. If that's a normal season, I wonder if the trajectory of the program is different because it felt like everything was kind of pushing toward that that season? That is a great question. Um, you know, a lot, I think, depends on Jaden. You know, yeah. all, everything with Jaden Daniels, what, what he did as a freshman in 2019, beating Oregon, there were a few, comp, you know, mi- beating Michigan State mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, you know, people were talking about him as, you know, a future like a Heisman, Heisman yeah, right, yeah. in that category. And then, you know, he just, starting that 2020 season, you know, Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. First round draft pick is gone. Really good player. Eno Benjamin. I mean, think about this the skill talent that you're dealing with. Uh, Darby, Frank Darby. Frank Darby. Yep. Yeah. Uh, six round NFL draft pick. Um, comes back 2020. All those guys are gone. He has a young receiving core, uh, mostly four star guys. So they have some mm-hmm. talent to him. Yep. But they just didn't, 
they just weren't on the same page. And at the time, it wasn't clear whether it was like, okay, what, is it the young receivers or is it Jaden? And then last year, I think, you know, Jane, he just hasn't been the same quarterback since. I yeah. Mean, he hasn't and, been and that he's guy. At, he's at LSU now. I don't think he's going to be the starter at LSU. You know, it, and and that's – it's a weird thing because he would have been the starter at Arizona State. And you look at who they have now, I don't know that they feel particularly comfortable with anybody they have. Emory Jones took a visit, the the Florida transfer. Uh, and and we'll see if if Emory winds. It's very interesting because Emory and and Jaden, like body type similar. Their throwing style is similar. like their their throwing motion is very similar. Uh, they're both pretty you know both pretty quick. And so it feels like you could put Emory in with these guys and they they'd feel like they were playing with a familiar person. I know this is a new offense that that they're all learning anyway, but uh, it, it's interesting that that was the choice Jaden Daniels made because he then goes to a place where there were no guarantees. And I, like, I, he might not even be the backup at LSU. Yeah. They have a, a pretty intense three-way battle going on there. Right. Yeah. Now, it sounds like, and, and, you know, I think the, what they really like about potentially about Emory Jones is just the ability to extend plays, which is what, yeah. you know, last year they struggled passing the ball. Um, you know, one of the worst passing seasons they've had in, in quite a few years. But the one thing, you know, when things broke down, Jaden could, you know, extend plays, exactly. make something happen. Yep. And with the five guys that they have right now, they, they just don't have that. Yeah, they got Paul Tyson, who's the uh, the Alabama transfer, who is Bear Bryant's great-grandson? Great-grandson. Great-grandson, yeah. But, it, it, yeah, and so if Emory, because I know he's looking at a few places, but if he doesn't come, who's the starting quarterback here at Arizona State? <laughs> That's a good question. I have, uh, I know they're looking at uh, another potential transfer um if if they go but i mean gosh what transfer i mean if you're a transfer if you're emory jones do you go to a place i mean andy they're leading yeah. receiver right now on the had 13 catches last year yeah that's that's <laughs> the that's the issue and you don't know about the offense and uh you you're breaking in a first year coordinator but i would think the opportunity is there because you're playing in the power five, you're, you're playing against good competition. If you're confident in yourself and you feel like, Hey, I want to show whoever I, you know, my old team was what I can do or, or show the world, show the NFL, what I can do that there's, there's an opportunity there. Now, granted, whoever that person is has to have been in the portal. They, they have to have submitted their name to the portal by this past Sunday. So they're either in there or they're not right now. Right, right. And that, that's, I mean, I think Herm Edwards knew that. I mean, the first day of spring practice, he, you know, he, he only talked to us twice during the spring, the first day and the last day. On the first day, he said, you know, he just brought up the question, like, our quarterback may not even be in the building, which I think it's natural to wonder that. But to say it publicly, as you can see, Arizona State says some really strange things publicly. They do. It just kind of hung out, hung over spring practice the entire time. And, uh, you know, I know there were some pretty upset people. <laughs> so what what is the timeline? <laughs> this the, I, And, and I, I asked this fully knowing there may be no answer to it. What is the timeline on the NCAA investigation? And, and do they think there's any resolution anytime soon? From what I've heard, uh, the, the investigation is ongoing. Um as of last week, I don't think they've talked to Herm Edwards yet. Oh, wow. And, and you know, I guess that's pretty... Um, that's pretty standard. They get their right. ducks in a row before they talk to the major because they want to do it once and, and be done with it. So here's what we have against you, basically. Defend, yeah. your, <laughs> defend yourself. So, I mean, there's a feeling among Arizona State that maybe that the worst is behind them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there was, a, there was a spirit. You know, there's always an enthusiasm on the first day of spring, um, but usually, you know, toward practice 
12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. That, it, it was kind there. Yeah. yeah, it was there one through 15. That's good. I felt like the, the team feels like the worst is behind him. Last year, it was always like, is Antonio Pierce? When's Antonio Pierce? That, that would be a weird cloud. You had, you know, assistant suspended for a year, that sort of thing. Like that is, that's a hard way to operate. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they just didn't know. I mean, last year, the th- they had three assistants who were suspended before the season, but the two coordinators hung around uh, for the entire year. And it was always the question of like, especially with Antonio Pierce, how much yeah. longer is he going to be around? Is Herm Edwards going to be around? Right. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, you know, they haven't interviewed Herm yet. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any sort of resolution for throughout this re- next for throughout the season. So how do they recruit going forward? <laughs> that's that's the other big question. They have not recruited well since all this started, at least, you know, with the high school kids. Um, you know, they're heavy with the transfers. I mean, the, yeah. and really the transfer portal is saving them. Uh, and, and, and gutting them at the same at time. At the same time. It's, yeah. it's such a weird dynamic. I mean, because they are losing a lot. They've done a great job. You know, they brought in um, Xavier Valade from Wyoming, right. pretty talented running yeah. back. Uh, you mentioned Paul Tyson. Uh, uh, they has got an Iowa State transfer to play center, right? Joey Ramos, who, yeah, who will probably be in that battle. They brought in four offensive linemen. Uh, so, you know, it's fine. The transfer portal is great for filling holes, right. but if you're using it to keep your, you know, your program afloat, you're going to run into trouble. And that's, that's where they are. So what do you think about the future for Herm Edwards? It seems like Ray Anderson is, is safe. And, and Michael Crow, you mentioned before, you know, normally we don't talk about university presidents, in this context, but he's, he's pretty hands-on as far as athletics goes. He's, he's pretty hands-on in the, in the administration of the PAC 12 as well. So I I imagine that, you know, he has some pretty strong opinions about how that program is going to be run. How safe are Herm and Ray Anderson right now? Yeah, you're right about Michael Crow. He is, he is, he is very involved in the investigation, obviously. Um, the fact, you know, a lot of people have, have told me that who know Michael Crow very well have told me that if it was any other coach, he would have suspended them mm. when it, when the investigation first started or they would already be gone. The fact that he's still around tells me it's one or two things. One, they actually think despite what the athletic has reported, despite what others have reported that Herm Edwards involvement in all this is minimal. Right. Um, or, and you know, I, this is the way a lot of people lean is that by making a decision to fire Herm Edwards, it would force Michael Crow to make a decision on Ray, on Ray Anderson. Yeah. And that's something that Michael Crow does not want to do. He's very loyal to his department heads. Ray Anderson, in fairness, has done a lot of great things for Arizona state. Mm-hmm. He, he's been involved at the, at, at the very high levels of the PAC 12. Uh, I mean, I think his name was, you know, I don't know how, if he was a serious candidate for the ACC commissioner's Commission, job. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was involved. His name was connected to that. Uh, but I just don't think that's a decision that Michael Crow wants to make. Yeah, that's And that's the toughest part. But the problem is the longer this drags on, the the harder it is for this program to prepare for its future. That's, that's what I wonder. Cause you know, how long can it operate kind of in purgatory before something really bad happens or something has to change. Yeah. I've never thought that Ray Anderson would ever fire Herm um, just because of their history. If that, that's going to have to come from Michael Crow. Could Herm himself say that's, uh, I don't want to be in the way anymore. Yeah. And and Herm would never force Ray to fire. Right. Uh, I, I think I was, I was leaning toward, and a lot of people thought that Herm would have stepped down after last season. Yeah. Um, in fact, after the final regular season game, I was sitting in the front front row of the, the media room. It was after they beat Arizona. Herm answered some questions about coming back. And as he stood up, he just kind of looked at me and muttered and said, you thought I was leaving. So, <laughs> so 
I, I think I think this will. I would be surprised if Herm doesn't step down after this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to. I think he wants one last chance to kind of yeah. get the program back up, back up and running. And, you know, he's sixty eight years old. Well, and how, how much does Arizona seeming to have really done a good job hiring Jed Fish because they were in a terrible position? You know, at that Territorial Cup in, in 2020, you saw how low that program had gotten. But it feels like Jed Fish has is, is come in and and recruited well and, and has a plan. And, like, that's that feels like something that, that turns up the heat a little bit on Arizona State. The best thing Jed Fish has done is just, you know, the enthusiasm for that program is, yeah. is so high right now with the fan base. And, you know, man, they really bottomed out. I mean, especially after that 70 to seven. I I watched that thing. It was, it was was horrible. It was depressing to watch. Like that team. I felt so bad for everyone involved with the university of Arizona (laughs) on that day. And, and it, but it's, but it's crazy to think, you know, if, if you're Arizona state on that day, you're thinking we're going to own this rivalry for decades now. Yeah. And it's just, not going to be that way. It'll be interesting to see when the, the Pac-12 media poll comes out in, in July. I mean, I don't know how much stock you put in those things. I don't know. Not, but- not much. <laughs> Remember when Nebraska was the trendy pick for the Big Ten West title in 2019? Right. Yeah. I don't put any stock in that. We're, we're morons. But let's, it, let's be honest. That is true. It will be interesting to see if the conference kind of views that Arizona, how much Arizona has closed the gap on Arizona State or if they've actually passed them. I, I see. I don't, I have a hard time saying that, that they past him because he got jet got them to play hard last year but there still has to be evidence of of a roster that is capable of being competitive in the in the pac-12 south it seems from recruiting rankings that that's on the way but we don't know that we, we don't know till we see him yeah and and the gap was pretty significant exactly, <laughs> I mean, exactly. no doubt about that i would agree with that um but at the same time i would think you know a lot depends on how the season goes for arizona state if they lose Early, mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I could see this kind of snowballing and, uh, you know, by the time that game comes around, who knows? We'll be right back after these words. Does Lincoln Riley being at USC change the dynamics as well? Because it feels like now the Pac-12 South uh, and, and, you know, I haven't said Utah or Kyle Whittingham once and I feel bad because all he <laughs> isn't does that, is isn't that always the case you, everyone's always that wins apologizing over and over again. for not giving Kyle Whittingham more credit it's what? crazy <laughs> but but I mean that's the thing they they kicked Oregon's ass twice last year like they earned that that conference title uh you got them they're going to be what they are every year like you know what you're getting out of Utah but now you have Lincoln Riley at USC it feels like if you are Herm Edwards, if you're Jed Fish, if you're Carl Durrell, if you're Chip Kelly, you're like, mm, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's kind of the the disappointment just from last year for Arizona State because, you know, when USC was down during the Clay Helton years, you you, you had someone had to take advantage of it. And yeah. To Utah's credit, they surged. Absolutely. No one else did. I expected Chip Kelly and UCLA to kind of make a run. That didn't happen. Uh, but it was really Arizona State was the school that everyone thought that, you know, they're going to take advantage of this, I, and they I, never did. I was sure after seeing them in in the fall of 2019, and again, this go, probably goes back to my if the pandemic had never happened question, maybe things are different. But I really thought they were in a good spot. It felt like their their trajectory was headed up. And they were going to be, you know, a competitive program in the Pac-12 South, especially until USC made a coaching change. Yeah, though no, you you were there, right? I mean, they were really doing well. Uh, Once they beat Oregon and, that year, that like yeah. okay, that because Oregon, 
was the best roster in the league at that point. Oregon was the best team in the league. They, they won the league that year. They went to, uh, you know, California has always been kind of the, the recruiting area that, well, under Ty Graham, you know, it just yep. went away. But they got that up and running, and, you know, it seemed like every everything was going in the right direction. Antonio Pierce once actually said that, you know, Arizona State was going to be a recruiting, a national recruiting powerhouse. That didn't age well. But, but it, uh, okay, here's my thing. And I realize <laughs> that not, they don't have – the the donor passion, the NIL, like the, the capabilities. You're not going to bring up the sleeping giant thing, are you? I'm not going to bring up the sleeping giant, but listen, you land at Sky Harbor, you go over to Tempe. That's a wonderful place. Like I, it, it, it blows my mind that they can't get more. And I, I, you know, Ari Wasserman and I have talked about this a bunch. Ari's an Arizona grad. He thinks that both Arizona schools really miss out by not just, going to every four-star offensive lineman in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and just bringing them in on an official visit and being like, you could live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it, that It's been the storyline since I've been around in yeah. Arizona. Why can't it's, Arizona it's State not capitalize? That easy. It's not that easy to make anybody move 2,000 miles. That, that's Well, and it's also the flip side of it. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, right now we're starting to, we're about maybe low 90s right now. Oh, it still yeah, feels yeah. nice. But yeah. You know, they're going to be out on the field in August. I talked to a high school coach about this very topic yeah. not too long ago. He goes, I don't know if, how many kids want to go out there in August and practice in 105 degree weather. Doug, I grew up in central Florida and our 95 is worse than your 105. <laughs> it's okay. You, you figure you it survive. out. You, you can survive. You deal with it. So. But, I mean, you're right. You're right. They've upgraded their facilities um, to not, I mean, they're not going to be on Oregon or Texas A&M level, but they're competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a lot of things going for them. Uh, just, you know, it would, it, your, your question is a great one. What would have happened if the pandemic would not have affected the 2020 really season? Feel like because they were, they were heading perfect. that, they yeah. were heading that direction. Yeah. It's, and, and it's sad to see it this way because, uh, you know, we, we talked about this. I talked about this with David Ubbin on the show the other day. There are certain schools that are, it feels like are being more negatively affected by all of the changes than others. And uh, Pittsburgh, you're seeing it now. They just won the ACC. How can you lose your best player? You just won a power five conference. Like how, how can this happen? And, and West Virginia's dealt with this, but Arizona state, same situation where it, you don't want to be kind of thrust into a different class in your own, own league. Yeah. And it, you have to ask the question, what, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a school that, you know, has great success in all the Olympic sports, which Arizona state has had um, success there, but, or, or do you want to put a lot more resources into football, yeah. you know, and pay the coaches that you need to pay, you know, the salaries that you need to pay them. Um, you know, it, it's a bad time because, you know, the basketball program is struggling a little bit, the baseball program right. who has such a great tradition, yeah, not doing well either. So yeah, there's just not a lot of uh, Ray Anderson fans out there. Listen, right now. I, I have a theory. Nobody, nobody By believes all means. me. I, they did Sparky dirty. <laughs> like they didn't do that to Sparky. If Sparky's there every, on the helmet, every game, best helmet logo in college football. And they're like, nah, how about a pitchfork? Yeah. You're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone on that. Sparky still has, they, they pull out Sparky a couple times a year and that's all you're going to see on social media is about bringing Sparky back. It, well, Pitt, Pitt was the same way where when they, they had the gold and the Navy and you're like, that's not your colors. Like you have this beautiful yellow and, and, and Royal blue, like where, what Tony Dorsett <laughs> wore. And they did, they went back to it and they won the ACC. Now as I'm telling you, bring Sparky back, go to the PAC 12 title game. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's an transfers be damned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the. The tradition, you know, there are people who don't like the black uniforms Arizona State wears. I mean, everybody you know, needs to have a black uniform unless you're a Alabama black helmet, or right. Penn State or whatever. You, you, you need a black uniform. Players love it. I, I don't have a problem with I that. I agree with that. But put Sparky on a black helmet. Yeah, my wife and awesome. my wife's an Arizona State grad, and even she complains about Sparky. So you're not you're not alone with that theory. All right. Well, I'm glad to know I'm right. That's <laughs> that's the most important part of this podcast is finding out that I'm right. So, Doug. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, your your town is fantastic. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you having me. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you.